You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamu everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jafri. And this is Zeba Hassan. I have to say, I am so excited to see you healthy and all that good stuff. So like, how are you feeling? How is everything going? I know you've been crazy. Um, I am good now. And just kind of I feel like I'm in nest mode because winter's coming. The season's changing. Mm-hmm. I'm in the mood for chili. Does winter come in Phoenix? I mean, eventually. I don't know. We have like a good okay. two weeks of it. So, you know. Okay, okay. We can finally wear you're, sweaters you're prepping. if that helps. Like we're okay. finally wearing sweaters. The fall fashion. Yes. And the AC, I think, will officially be off in a month or so. We still have days okay. when we need the air conditioning. But um, okay. I'm excited because cold, cold, cooler weather here means we can have like chilly in the middle of the day. We don't have to wait until the nighttime Ooh, um, instead of our like AC that. vent. So I like chilly, whether it's vegetarian or has meat, soups. Um, and of course, hot cocoa with halal marshmallows, mm-hmm. which have been really hard to get. Yes. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you have this problem. I have noticed. Right? There's a there's a shortage. I've heard that there's a shortage. Yes, and I don't want. But to you know what I do is I buy the I buy the Trader Joe's vegan ones, mm. and I buy them in bulk because remember I have two vegetarians. Yes, you do. So we are still popping them popping them out. I have think like I have two more bags left. But do you have the miniature ones or the big ones? Because the, they're, they're big. They don't come yeah. with the miniatures. So the miniatures have been really yeah. hard to get. And so when I found them recently at the halal grocery store, I like grabbed them up because the halal ones, it, they take a long time to melt in the hot cocoa. Exactly. And then the kids <laughs> throw them away. And I'm like, are you kidding? That's like $7 worth of marshmallows. You can't throw that away. <laughs> so so I have a tip for you. Okay. You can cut you can cut the big ones, Osma. Oh. oh. And put, <clears> that know, requires work. I did okay. not think of that. Yes, you are right. You can cut them. And they will melt. Mm-hmm. So let's not panic about the shortage of halal miniature, miniature marshmallows. Miniature marshmallows. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you thwarted that crisis for me. So what's been going on on your side? You know, I am. Uh, you know, just still, I'm uh, still dealing with the changes of the seasons and the illnesses that come with them. Having one of my kids be out of the house, um, though he did text me and said he was going to come home early for Thanksgiving. So just looking forward to that. Planning our, our. It's you know we're we're not big Thanksgiving celebrators, obviously, but it is an opportunity for all of us to like be together and focused on each other. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. But honestly, I've just been really excited about like getting to know um, and read about all these things that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. this month, because, you know, we've explored polygamy and polygamy all through this November. um, And our guests have practiced and helped each other in polygamy. Um, We've also had a lot of negative feedback um, as well. Uh, though I do have to say, I don't think people are actually listening no. to the podcast. They're just looking at the title and like getting triggered. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion to everybody that hasn't actually listened to the podcast, 
Um, don't get triggered, calm down, take a couple of deep breaths, listen. And if you still have that same opinion, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it with you. Yeah. But our next guest has been um, a guest in the past and we absolutely love her. Um, but she's here to provide a counter perspective. So we're going to welcome Ustada Sabasayed. She has rocked our world multiple times about sex. Ozma's favorite topic. Let's just be real. Her second favorite topic is this polygamy. We're going to talk about that on another day as well. Um, She has a bachelor's degree in Islamic studies and has studied Arabic language and literature at the Qatar University and and at Cairo Institute in Egypt. She has ijazah in Quranic recitation for over two decades. She has empowered Muslim women via the correct and untainted teachings of Islam. She's one of our go-to people when we have questions as well. She has hosted several Islamic lectures and weekly halakas in different communities all over the world. She hosts special workshops regarding parenting, Islamic sex education, female sexuality, and marriage, uh, married uh, intimacy, which is what we're going to kind of get into a little bit today. We're welcoming Ustada Saba. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Momming Wa Muslim. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Thank you so much for having me over. It's always an honor and pleasure to be here. And really, I've been uh, just watching and observing Mamashla, you guys grow and become so successful. Really happy for you guys and really proud of you what you're doing. Mashallah. Mashallah. And you know, thank you because you came on when a lot of people wouldn't. <laughs> and yes. They're like, Who are you? Mommy? What? Yeah, and, and still remain to this day, four years later, almost two hundred episodes in now. Yes. Uh, you remain the top five most downloaded <laughs> are Islamic perspectives on sexual intimacy. So that just, you know, if you want to find it, look up Sabah Sayyid on Mommy One Muslim Podcast and you will hear great things. And I have to say, I've known you for 20, what, 25-ish years now? Yes. And I still haven't wow. completely forgiven you for not teaching me some of that stuff when I was 20, but that's okay. <laughs> I didn't know it myself. Now I know it. And life uh, is at good. that time, she's making up for lost time. On. I'm totally Let's making up for honest. lost time. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So for those who are listening to you for the first time, Ustada Saba, can you share with us your momming journey and your momming philosophy? Um, momming journey is, well, you know, it's... It's not easy. <laughs> it's really difficult. It's hard. No. Motherhood is as much as it's a blessing. It's one of those blessings that comes wrapped with all kind of difficulties and all kind of hardships. Um, and it never gets easier. I'm so sorry. I wish I had something good to tell you. Thank you for being honest because everybody else lies. Yes. Everybody else just lies like, Oh, you. it's going to get better. I'm like, no, it just gets different Liars. and worse in a different way. <laughs> no. Just, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, subhanAllah, like at this point, I'm like the, the, the good thing. I said I started off with the bad thing, but the good thing I was going to say, it pays off. I mean, you reap the fruits, you know. You in, invest, invest, invest in your kids. A day will come when you will be reaping the fruits. I love my kids. Alhamdulillah, I have the most amazing yes. kids in the world. Um, their problems don't end. I'll be honest, <laughs> but it, it is. I mean, they do. <laughs> they you know, <laughs> it, and then they get married, and then they come back with, with you know their spouses with them and their spouses. <laughs> so it just oh extends, and you're just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is why I got you married. No way. <laughs> I have two kids married, That's Alhamdulillah. So with wonderful um, husband and wives, you know, for both Reem and Abdullah. 
But, you know, it's just as a mother, you just never stop worrying for them. And even their smallest concern mm-hmm. or issue in their life is something that just, you know, touches your heart. So when people say, oh, you know, to women, they're like, oh, except the motherhood is a blessing. Uh, I'm just like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, stop judging moms. It's not, it's, it's wonderful. I don't know if you want to call it a blessing. It's a, it's a blessing to have kids, but the motherhood is not a blessing. Yes. It's a huge responsibility. Yes. Like it's an amana. Like you it's, are answerable yes. for the choices you make and don't make. And the more you love your kids, the more um, the more you're sincere in your love for your kids, the more the motherhood is going to weigh heavy on your heart. Yeah. yeah. Because there are many moms that's who just, 100%. I have seen them, they just don't care. And they're just like, oh, you know, it's their headache. Let them they're deal like, with it. It's all good. And have I'm fun. Like, what do you mean let them deal with it? You're the mom, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. That was going to be my plan, but okay. <laughs> I have just been told <laughs> that I have to care. Uh, no, I will, inshallah. I do. And you do. Um, so that this makes me really happy to, to hear because there were, during our time at uh, university, there were four MSA babies. Two of them were yours. And now to see them as adults and married and I only saw the two, the first two of yours and barely the second one, but I can vouch that both of them, I mean, uh, Reem has helped mommy while Muslim raise thousands of dollars for children mm-hmm. with cancer. Alhamdulillah. She is amazing and stands alone in her own right. Even though like initially I was like, oh, she's the shadow of her mother. No, she is a completely independent person of her mother and you have raised an excellent woman in her and your son is an mashallah, excellent mashallah, man, mashallah. struck gold with that wife of his, mashallah. And I'm just like super, super impressed with both of them. And they are a testament to your mothering. So good job staying up at night worrying about them and their bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger problems as they grow <laughs> older. But inshallah, may the path be easy for them Amen. and for you. Allahumma ameen. Amen. So since everybody's just waiting with bated breath on this, <laughs> can we kick off the podcast of talking a little bit about the fiqh of polygyny? polygyny um, in Islam. Uh, We've already talked about the difference between polygamy and polygyny polygyny on the first episode of the series, but if you could talk a little bit about the the fiqh, not what people understand um, or what people practice, but how it was written for us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, how it's written uh, for us, it's it's pretty clear, right? It is allowed. It's in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it permissible why he made it permissible, we don't know that. This is something, you know, that none of the text in the Quran or in the Sunnah specifically says this is the X, Y, Z reason why the polygamy was allowed. You know, we can come up with our own guesses, but we would never know the real reason. Um, mm-hmm. And when you say fiqh, you know, so fiqh can go in all directions. We can spend a whole podcast just discussing the fiqh. In a nutshell, what I can say is polygamy probably, you know, takes the same ruling as the marriage. It could, it's permissible there. It's not obligatory. Um, and one of the ways that, you know, one of my most, may Allah have mercy on him, favorite teacher explained, um, the teacher who refined our manners, uh, Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif, um, he, I remember him once saying in the class that 
the the opinion that appealed to him the most was um, just like a regular marriage could be obligatory, it could be uh, encouraged, it could just be there, it could be makro, um, um, you know, uh, disliked, or it could even become haram at points. In general, marriage is allowed; it's there, you know. Uh, and in some cases, it can become uh, haram, you know, if you don't, like, if you have issues, if you have problems, if you know you can't handle, you, you cannot give your spouse the rights and you're aware of it, then don't get another person involved because it is a commitment, it is a contract, you have to live by it. And so the similar ruling goes with mm-hmm. polygamy also. Um, and, in you know, in the same clause, he said he would never do it because he cannot fathom that he would ever put his spouse through so much emotional pain. So he acknowledged the existence of emotional pain uh, heavily involved in polygamy. You know, we've now um, interviewed a couple different people and that are in polygamous um, relationships. And the pros that they're saying why they support it um, is that it's the right of the husband, right? Like they're talking about it, it's the right of the husband. Um, and that's kind of what they're using in support of the polygamous relationship in general. But, you know, my understanding, I'm not a ustada like yourself, but my understanding is, you know, it is permissible, right? It is in the Quran, but it's also not encouraged in the sense that there he's been given, he, Ellis Bamathala has been given, um, given us multiple reasons as to how it would be difficult, right? And one of it is to the the concept of being treated fairly. And you're saying and admitting that if you are a first wife, welcoming in a second wife, first of all, I don't know how that would happen personally. Um, how how can that happen if the, you're saying that it's such a huge emotional toll? Even if you ultimately agree, are you agreeing because you're afraid? Like, I just have a hard time wrapping my brain around it. And I appreciate the answers that we've gotten from their perspectives, but I'm still not at a stage where I can fully understand the depth of that. Thank you so much, Zeba, for asking and being so open about it. Honestly, one of the problems that I have observe and experience in this long journey of, you know, being in Astaza and, and being honestly in the West, the first few ones in the beginning, back 20 years or 20, 25 years ago, um, the way things are worded can make a huge difference. You know, where humans like, you know, how the news is brainwashed, mm-hmm. like whether it was a retaliation or whether it was an attack, you know, they make a huge difference. When they say that this is the right of the husband, um, I have a problem. This this becomes problematic because when you are in a marital relationship, which by from the Shari from the fiqhi perspective, it is a contract, right? So in the contract, there are rights. Being fed is a right of a wife. That's a right. You cannot take that away. You know. Um, being respected is a right of a husband. You can't remove that right from him. That's a right. And is having a second wife his right? Or is it something just permissible and it's there? If he wants to practice it, he can. Yes. Does he have the... It, when, you, when you say that something becomes a right, 
I cannot put in my marriage contract that um, you don't have to, I don't know, like, um, I, I don't have to respect my husband. I mean, you can't remove that. It is a fundamental right. That's yeah. a right. But we know about polygamy. A wife has wife can put it in the marriage contract that her husband is not going to take a second wife. If it was a right, you wouldn't be yes. able to remove that from him. But it is allowed for the wife to put that in the contract. So when they come and they say, mm-hmm. oh, it is his right, it changes the whole perspective versus it's something permissible. It's there. Just like... You know, um, um, a sheikh who's, you know, I respect him a lot. And, uh, you know, Sheikh Hazar Bajaz, he once explained it to me that it's like, you know, cauliflower. And I think I was talking to Uzma about it. It's like eating cauliflower, you know, it's allowed. It's permissible. Is it going to suit everybody? No, it doesn't suit everybody. Sometimes it creates, you know, gives you health Mm -hmm. issues and stomach issues, which may create problems Mm -hmm. for yourself, first and foremost, and the people around you also. So (laughs) it's like... It's something... Yes, in multiple ways. Exactly. It's, I mean, you know, it doesn't suit everybody. And it's permissible. It's there. Do you have to do it, especially if it's creating problems? Um, no. And um, yeah, I hope that that answers your question. Mm. One of the things um, we had asked and had has come up, right, is the concept of... Um, li- obviously, if you're in a company that... Uh, a country that allows it, it's different, right? Because then the rights of both of the, the co-wives, uh, is what they want to be called, um, are respected. But here in the States, it's not legal in any capacity. So in my opinion, to your point, that second wife and her family is like just base. Yeah, you can put it in contracts and wills and things like that. But just the basic thing of like health insurance and think and being able to be recognized as a legitimate um, family. I, I just kind of am like, how do you get around that? You know, um, if you really want to be treated fairly, maybe if you're in another country where that is, you know, supported, it could be a different experience. But here in the States where it is not legal, um, and yeah, Islamically, it's legal, right? But from a legal national nationalistic perspective, it's not. So how can we help serve those second, third, potentially fourth families that don't necessarily have the rights in the eyes of the law here in the state? Right. I mean, there's no solution. No one has come up with any solution. So, uh, you know. Okay. So I didn't know if there was a solution brewing or what, because it, it definitely was not, because I was just very curious about that. I'm like, so what do you do? Do you have to get private insurance? Like the basic logistics of how you would run and work your family, I think would be difficult for me to yes. understand. Yes, and it would be. And then, you know, if you go, like, what can you do? Because let's say they cannot afford a private insurance and they have to go through Obamacare or, you know, the other um, government-supported health insurances, then again, they're going to first put the burden of it on the father. And then, like, so it, 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 yeah. it starts adding up. And is that, I don't know, is something that we need to ask? Is that fair? Is that fair to expose families to that, to women and children? Um, is it fair to put them in that position? No, that's exactly right. You know, so um, we've been talking about it and I have to say, like, I've been reading about it just to prep for these interviews. Um, and my question to you as an Estada, do you feel 
and maybe it isn't, maybe it's just me just throwing it out there. Do you feel that polygamy, uh, the polygamy issue, polygamy issue actually opens the door for like the spiritual abuse of women um, within the Ummah? Because a lot of them are being told that it's the right of the man and they're kind of having to go along with it in order to fully practice their, their um, religion or whatever the case may be. And we're hearing that just because something is permissible doesn't mean that you should do it. But it is being used for a lot of women as an excuse or a reason to support polygamous relationships. So what are your thoughts on that um, as somebody who has read um, and is very well learned about this particular topic? Um, it's a very good question, Zebra. To be honest, you brought you 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 know you basically brought the magic word out, like uh, the spiritual abuse. And in all honesty, I would say that yes, you know, this is one area, one aspect where unfortunately our Muslim community um, has uh, tainted the beauty of Islam with the spiritual abuse, because. Um, you can see, like in the in the just near past, a lot of situations came up where the, the imams or the religious scholars were called out, and they were involved in spiritual abuse, and that was all associated to that um, was all associated to m- multiple marriages. You know, they had their wives; they wanted they were either in secret yes. or in open. It was all about multiple marriages. Um, the then we then if we kind of like dig into this issue we would um see that of you know the way i don't know in my experience in my lifetime i have not met a woman who would happily accept to be in a um in a plural marriage, at least not from my ethnicity, at least not, you know, from uh, like the people that I have met and who have been in polygamous relationship. Um, The reason women would stay or would even give it a chance or try it is because they're told, as you said, it's your husband's Islamic right. So when you word it like that, Islamic right. I mean, to be honest, you know, I got married. I was pretty young. I was only 19. I was introduced, you know, started becoming religious when I was around 17, 18. So I was still pretty new to it. But this was also all the, you know, shiuch's most favorite topic to discuss and bring it up as the husband's Islamic right. So when you start hearing that and you're trying to be religious and you're trying to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then obviously you find yourself in a very, um, in a very like a vulnerable position and is in, in a place where you're like, Oh my God, I have to accept this if I want to be a good Muslim. And that's why that's what you're, you're being told. If you, and you know, like from personal experience, if you go to a sheikh and the answer you get is, oh, sister, this is your husband's Islamic right, and if you're going to stop him from doing that, he might fall into something haram. As if, you know, so it's not only that, oh, I have to accept it. That he can't control himself. He can't control himself, so there's a... But you're going to be the one pushing him into that. There's an easy pass, like, um, oh, they get the pass because men are going to be men, and then if because they make the choice of doing something wrong, it will fall on you because somehow... You didn't accept polygamy. Um, 
And then what do you do? Like, you know, as a, as a, as a person who is trying to be religious, who is trying to be spiritual, who's trying to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would look at polygamy not uh, as, as a way to, uh, you know, get close to Allah. But is it really that? Is it really serving that purpose? Or are men simply using all these excuses to get what they want? Yes. That's what I want to know. But I'm, again, I, I, I am, I'm coming at this and I've been coming at this from the perspective of trying to understand, like, why would somebody make a choice like this? But, you know, my innate um, <laughs> instincts is that, especially because you're saying yourself and you brought it up and I'm just segueing this, this question, a lot of these um, shakes that have taught, yeah, they, they're having multiple marriages, but a lot of them are in secret which in and of itself is putting that second, third wife at a disadvantage. First of all, can you speak to that? Why the secrecy, if it's allowed and permissible, why the secrecy? And two, in being in secret, you're putting that, that, that spouse that you're supposed to, to love, care for, and all of, all of those good things in a very precarious situation by not being openly recognized by the community. Um, Ziba, I've had the same questions. And to be honest, I don't know if I have an answer for you. But this is my observation. Um, you know, it's, this is not, you, you know, Islam is a very, subhanAllah, is a very fair religion. And it's very, uh, you know, it, it appeals to our fitra, it appeals to our innate nature. And, um, it, it is supposed to bring you close to Allah subhanahu wa The actions that are permissible, they're supposed to, to they're supposed to uh, create like they're supposed to bring out benefits and uh, and goodness and success, not uh, create a chaos, not start breaking the families, not start breaking the communities or creating issues because of certain thing that is being practiced in the name of being somebody's right. Um, this has been my question too, what you asked, because now here's the thing is, okay, polygamy, it's allowed. It's now somebody wants to practice it. So you go to a sheikh and you ask, and, and most of, most of the time the women are told, oh, sister, this is his right. Don't break the family, you know, try to like, um, be a good supportive wife so you can go to Jannah, so you can keep your family together. Um, you know, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, argue with that, with that answer. But at the same time, divorce is permissible. There are no conditions attached to divorce. It's not like that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed divorce and in the same ayah, he discouraged it from happening. No, he didn't. In fact, you know, in, in Surah Talaq, it's perhaps one of those surahs that actually discusses the difficulties of divorce and then it goes into like Allah's support and this like you know turn to Allah and he will open the 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 exit for you from places you have not even thought of so it's such a encouraging Mm -hmm. surah you know but on the other hand we have seen polygamy is something Allah said okay it's allowed but you will not be able to practice it so stay with your one wife in the same ayah so yeah literally. literally so when when here's my question too is like so when somebody goes asking for divorce then there's a whole discouragement there's a whole lecture 
no, sister, please don't do this. Keep your family together. Think about your children. Think about, you know, the difficulties that are going to come with this. Try to reconcile your, you know, be patient. Try to reconcile your um, issues with your husband. All these things, all the pressure of walking away from something which is permissible and trying to keep the family together and happy it gets put on a woman. When a man wants to take a second wife, why isn't the same advice given to him? Why isn't the same, uh, you know, nasiha or suggestion is given to him that, no, brother, if you have a good wife and you're happy, and yes, you know, you will never have a perfect wife, but if, if she's good, you know, she's, she's mostly good to you, she's mostly good to the kids, try to keep your family together, don't involve into something which is going to break the family apart, which is going to put so much emotional trauma on your spouse and on your children. If the same advice is offered to the brothers also, I, I truly believe there would be a balance. I truly believe that this will not be looked upon as a spiritual abuse then. Because on one hand, divorce, which is permissible, is discouraged in the name of don't break the family. We have seen over and over and over again that polygamy has broken families, you know, in pretty much every uh, uh, country. Uh, uh, well, yeah, even because I lived in the Middle East and I, I know how uh, divorces, uh, sorry, uh, polygamy is looked down upon over there coming from Indian Pakistani uh, background, even over there, you know, the parents keep telling the daughter, like, stay, you know, be patient, be patient. But the minute a husband takes a second wife, parents were like, come back right now. Even in such a misogynist culture, you know, polygamy is not is not appreciated. So obviously, there are harms. Obviously, there is a perspective of it that is being tried so hard to separate it from it and just accept it as it's his right and it's permissible. Yes, it is. But there are harms. And when there are harms, then you really have to see whether is it, it's it worth it or it's not worth it. And in just recent time, um, Sheikh, you know, finally, when I had like this discussion going on with him, he finally said it. I, I wish I could say his name. I'll ask him for next time whether I could quote his name or not. But he said, he said, if a second marriage breaks the first marriage, then by definition, it becomes impermissible. From a fiqh perspective, what makes the shaitan most happy is to break a marriage. And um, so if it is breaking a marriage, then they really have to take a step back and evaluate and see, you know, are we, are we being fair? Are we being just? Um, or are we just putting all the pressure and all the burden on just one gender um, because, you know, the other gender has too many privileges. This month's episodes are sponsored by Amana Mutual Funds Trust. Find out more at amanafunds.com. That's A-M-A-N-A funds.com. Any comments or statements made in these episodes do not necessarily reflect those of Saturna Capital Corporation, Saturna Brokerage Services, formerly Investors National Corporation, or their affiliates. I want to roll off of the um, honesty conversation and the secret stuff conversation. Um, there's, uh, 
you know, a lot of times context is withheld and I've gotten emotional in the past on the podcast when I finally learned context of certain things that were just never shared with us because it makes, it's always so useful to a particular gender, uh, hiding context from the other gender, which is typically women, um, in order to keep us in the dark about our religion and, um, just all the the most beautiful parts about it, the most just parts about it. So can you share the Hadith of Fatima that you recently um, uh, talked about? Because all of us have heard this Hadith, but we haven't heard the context. And I think that given our conversation today, the context is uh, really important. Um, And then maybe tell us how and who it serves by hiding that context what that's done to Muslim societies across the world. The, the hadith, Uzma, you're referring to is, I believe, uh, is Fatma radiallahu anha, is when Ali radiallahu and her husband um, decided he wanted to uh, take a second wife. And she got hurt, a very natural reaction. Um, and she went to her father to complain about it. And subhanAllah, I'm going to start crying because it just shows that how beautiful our faith is and how fair our faith is. But when it's not practiced fairly the way it's supposed to be, then look what happens. Um, The whole need of trying to fight for women's right and joining like, you know, one-sided mainstream feministic ideas, obviously they're going to take place and they're going to prosper because when you are not, when you're being unfair, then what do you expect? Um, and her father, our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in his, uh, you know, in his merc- merciful nature and in his fairness, um, he 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 comforted his daughter. He comforted his daughter, and he said he made a general statement, and he said, "Whoever hurts Fat- Fatima hurts me." And subhanAllah, in just like a such a short statement, he basically told Ali what to do. You know, he, first of all, he acknowledged her emotional pain. This woman, radiallahu anha, she's not some ordinary woman. She is the leader of all the women in Jannah. We are supposed to look up to her. So you want to talk about the Islam? You want to talk about Medina Islam? That's my role model right there. You know, she got hurt by an act, which is supposedly the right of her husband, right? And she went complaining to her father. And her father acknowledged her emotional pain. He didn't say, oh, fear Allah, Fatima. Are you, do, try to be a good Muslim, Fatima. You know, try to give your husband his rights so you can make, you know, find your place in Jannah. He didn't say none of that. What he said is whoever hurts Fatma hurts me. So he acknowledges her pain. He acknowledges the fact that this action of Ali is going to hurt Fatima radiallahu anha. And he doesn't want his daughter to get hurt. So he associates her pain to his pain. And he knows that would have stopped Ali radiallahu anha from ever hurting the Prophet. And he says, he didn't t- tell Ali. He's like, Ali, don't do it. Ali, do it secretly. Or, you know, just don't tell your wife that like most of the shiuch, <laughs> I can tell you from a first-hand experience is that's what they would say is that just don't tell your wife. Just do it and don't tell your wife. But uh, the, he, he said, whoever hurts Fatma hurts me. And, and that stopped Ali radiallahu anha. And he never took a second wife for as long as Fatma radiallahu anha was alive. 
And so there's so many answers that if you dissect this hadith, you will find if you study it in details and you start branching it out, you will see that, you know, everything that a Muslim woman goes through um, has been acknowledged, has been recognized, has been endorsed, and without the judgment of her faith. You guys have no idea how much, like the Muslim woman, and, you know, from like I had heard, that if you're not, you know, if you have a problem with this, that resembles the weakness of your faith or the weakness of your iman. Mm -hmm. And to go through that when you're trying to be spiritual, when you're trying to be a good Muslim and you're struggling, because there are so many fitnas and evils in this world, and you are trying to refine your actions and everything. And on top of that, your emotional, um, the, the, you know, rec the, the the um your your emotions are not val validated you're stripped off from your natural pain you're being gaslighted your faith is being judged because something is hard for you to accept you're being told that oh your 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 faith is weak or you're not a good muslima all of that as you said zeba is it a part of spiritual abuse uh, i would say so I think so. And, and you know, before all this social media, I've lived through the time where we didn't have the internet. That's when mm -hmm. I started becoming religious. We didn't have the internet. We did, then we got the internet. It used to be so slow. And then, you know, without all this... <laughs> I still this, hear the, the thing, the, the dial-up. Dial yeah. Yes. And, and to your point, it's, it's not the sound bites, right? You actually had to go, if you needed the answers, you had to go to the resources. You had to do... Versus, right. oh, here's a quick meme that came up and, oh, that makes sense. And it, it fits what I want. So it must be true. That type exactly. Of, and um, I mean, the social media mentality. has facilitated support groups. I mean, look at this. Look yes. what Mommy and Wild Muslim is doing. You guys are yes. providing support groups for so many women out there, right? Even without this podcast, like people, we didn't hear these other opinions. It was years yes. and years and years later. Um, I think when I already had three kids, the first time I read uh, Sheikh uh, Ibn Thaymin's fatwa, that he's one of the very respected shiuchs, you know, from like the super Salafi days. Um, he was the first one that I ever read acknowledged that if a woman is hurting from the second marriage, that her husband wants to get a second wife, and she does not want to stay in that marriage, does not make her faith weak. It does not make her any less yeah. religious than a woman who would accept polygamy. And I remember reading that fatwa over and over again. I was like, what? And I went back and I read the sheikh's name. I was like, is it really? It was an Islam Q&A. I was mind blown. So can you see how many years it took? It was just like in recent time when the social media started becoming more active. Then I was read it. I was like, oh, wow. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was just one-sided version of Islam. And then it was just that whole drilling that, no, your faith will go to a, a trial if you, God forbid, say that, you know, you're not okay with a polygamous marriage. Our faith, our religion is beautiful. Our religion is fair. The human emotions are validated. They're recognized. They're not, um, you know, our prophet was not judgmental, you know. Yeah. Even though and and that's the thing, like we started this because... We started this series because we, you know, like we, I'm going to speak for myself, was coming from a place of judgment. And I wanted to um, provide, because it is one of those things where um, if somebody doesn't know much about Islam, they'll know that 
um, Muslim men can marry multiple wives, right? Like that's one of the, and we don't eat pork, right? Like that, those are the two things what they'll, they'll tell you. So the, being able to share um, different perspectives is something that I feel um, we're trying to be balanced about. But, um, you know, my understanding about a lot of these things based on my own readings was that it would just make it extremely, extremely um, difficult. So I, I definitely appreciate you um, putting this into perspective. But what can we do since we are a momming podcast, right? Like, and we're moms of boys, moms of girls, moms of the, what kind of advice would you give um, a son or a daughter about the, about polygamy or polygamy if it came up? I have to say it doesn't come up in my convert, in my household just because it, it's not modeled for them. But what would yeah. you suggest for um, kids, because at the end of the day, it really does impact the children as well, because they're, oh, they have zero choice of any of this, right? They're kind of either married into, or they kind of are born into it, or they come into it a little bit later. Um, and maybe the adults are consenting, but the children are not consenting. So what would you suggest um, if, if one of our children came up to us and started ask us about this, what would you suggest we say to them as mothers? Uh, to be honest, Zeba, it's like you, um, it's the same thing as if, I don't know if our child come to us and say, you know, slavery is also allowed in Islam. So can I keep a slave? (laughs) What are you going to say to them? It's, you know, you're going to say, well, it's so impractical and look at the reasons why the slavery was allowed. And then, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had actually, it put so much reward like it was allowed but it's something that we could see from the pattern that it was sort of Muslims it was, were being it was trying to be off. phased out yes they were being yeah. weaned off slowly and if you take the polygamy also you could say you know yes oh it's allowed but look you know Allah subhanahu has already told you you're not going to be able to be fair and then and it was also to, being weaned off because it was part of a culture that there was even more than four wives right like oh, from yeah. a historical perspective yeah, they had no limit on wives. So actually, for yeah. Islam to put a limit on the number of wives was a big like, thing. Was a big thing from having like multiple, multiple, multiple wives to wives to only having four was a big drop for them. And then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala discouraging it, and then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala saying just stick to one, you know, because obviously He's the one who created us and He knew what was most beneficial for them. So then to talk to your sons about, look, this is you are actually going to create problems for yourself. You are going to lose your mental peace. You are going to put yourself in a position where on the day of judgment, if you were unfair, and that's also, by the way, in Mm -hmm. hadith that you can check, you know, Uzman later, is that if a man is going to come paralyzed on one side on the day of judgment, if he was not fair with both of his wives. So you really want to be a, a a sincere a good mother to your son then discourage him from doing something which is only going to create problems for him and going to take away that that peace from him that you know he could have with just having one family and focusing on that family and having someone you know to grow old with and you know have his back in his old age and everything rather than exposing himself you know like one of the sheikhs that i know said you know um 
like uh, he, he said something which was so funny to the brothers. He was just like, you know, at least have one wife and make sure that she loves you instead of having two wives and, and then yes. guaranteeing that neither one of them love you. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. Invest in, in into creating a family. There's one thing I'm going to not really sidetrack, but because if you asked me this question, if you know, yourself comes to you, something, a pattern that I have noticed over and over again and even if you look online or you talk to anybody, it's the, the, the polygamy is always associated to men's sexual fitna. That, you know, men have more desires, men have more needs. And, you know, if they're not going to do this, they're going to fall into something haram and, and, you know, all sorts of things. Which I would like to challenge, which I would like to say that, you know, give me a proof where in Islam does it say that because of men's sexual fitna, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed men to have four wives. Um, we will not find any of that text that would say this. Um, even the hadith that men bring that, you know, the biggest fitna that I am leaving for you behind is a woman has a whole explanation. The Prophet never said sexual fitna. Fitna is a test and a trial. Allah called our own children fitna in the Quran for us. That does not make children evil or anything. It just means that they are a they are a test. If we succeed in this test, we will find our place in Jannah. And if we fail in this test, you know, we will be held accountable on the day of judgment. So fitna for calling women a fitna was because, you know, the Prophet ﷺ also said in his last khutbah that, you know, um, take care of women, be mindful how you treat your women. And we can see that, you know, most Muslim societies becoming misogynist might have been, you know, the concern that he was pointing out to is that Muslim men will not be treating Muslim women fairly and justly in the way they are supposed to be treated. And that's why he said, that's the biggest fitna I'm leaving for you behind is that because they will be your trial. You will not be treating them well. And hence you will be creating problems for the rest of the ummah. And, and the other examples that we do know from the Prophet Sallallahu is when a, when they brought a young man um, uh, uh, to the Prophet ﷺ who wanted to uh, commit adultery, um, the Prophet ﷺ did not tell him, go get married. The Prophet ﷺ sat down with him and he reasoned with him. SubhanAllah, you know, like what the, the sex addict therapists do now. Is that, you know, would you like it if it was done for your, on your sister or on your mother or on your, your daughter? And he was like, no. So he's like, whoever you're going to commit zina with would be somebody's sister or daughter or mother. And he did not tell, he didn't say, oh yeah, that's a sexual fitna. You know, um, men are created like this. They're sexual monsters or whatever. So yeah, just let him get married one time or two time or three time or four time. No, he didn't say any of this. He reasoned with him. He acknowledged that the young boy has a problem and he needs to work on that. He never offered marriage as a solution. And in another incident where the young man wanted to get married and he couldn't get married and, you know, he was having like, you know, obviously he was a young man with hormones and everything. The Prophet ﷺ told him to fast. He didn't tell him, okay, get married one time and two time and three time and four time. He never offered polygamy as a solution to the men of that time who were having sexual fitness. He gave them a solution of fasting or reasoning with them. Reasoning was basically a therapy. He was being a therapist to him. So do you see the difference? Do you see what our the textual evidence says? And these things are suppressed. These things are never, I, I really, it, they're misrepresented. 
if we start focusing on these things and yes there is like you know sexual fitna is not only among men it's among women also i, I am a pastoral counselor i do see that like you know pornography and the availability of the hypersexual society has created so many issues we need to work on that and and tackle that problem from its roots and come up with the right solutions rather than keep saying that yeah yeah you know uh, men need to have multiple wives and because polygamy cannot be practiced that's why men are fall- having sexual fitness i don't think so i don't think that's true i think that's a huge misrepresentation i think that creates the opportunity to have sex uh, the uh, spiritual abuse and i think that in all this poor men and our young boys get ignored and never get to the the correct solution to the problem i think all of that is really important i was saying earlier that the reason why i get emotional hearing the context of these hadith and these these other issues that you brought up like you know he said to fast like the sunnah is to fast. The sunnah is anybody who hurts Fatima hurts me. But we don't get the context because it serves those people who were educated in Islam, who were historically men, and it served them to hide it from us, from our mothers and our grandmothers. And that's why this cultural fear of polygyny got built up and built up and built up because the practice was corrupted and corrupted and corrupted with time because of things like the context not being taught father to son, mother to daughter, father to daughter, you know, Um, because that sincere love, I think even between members of a family unit has been so corrupted Um, just for, and I'm not going to blame like social media or anything. I think it's people advancing their own agendas at the expense of others, which if I'm correct, in Islam, we call that oppression. And if I'm also correct, that is haram. So um, it just, it really um, touches me a lot to hear the context because I feel like so many generations have lost out on the beauty and justice of Islam that you're discussing today for those of us who are, you know, here to hear both sides of the story. True, true, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing is this is not... This is not a gender war. You know, this is not a men versus woman thing. Um, honestly, like, you know, I'm not an anti-men or anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created both genders and the both genders have, you know, a, like they're a good and evil in every person, in every man and woman. It's just that what they nurture within themselves. Men are not evil. Men are not trash. I even tell my kids, like, you know, like I make sure that my daughters hear this from me that do not, you know, I do not support the nurture. Men are trash. No, they're not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created men. All our prophets were men. There are amazing men out there. Um, this is not a gender war. This is not, you know, I, I do not support like the mainstream, extreme, like, you know, the, the feministic ideas. Exactly. I do not support that. Um, and, and I wish that our Muslim sisters did not have to fall on those ideas to at least get heard or, you know, get some of their rights that are there given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it's just that, um, uh, you know, there has been a huge imbalance of rights. And let's pay attention to the warning of, of our Prophet وسلم, And in his last khutbah, he repeated over and over again to men, Please be mindful of how you treat your woman. And we see, you know, there 
I wish there was no need for Muslim women to stand up and fight for their rights. But unfortunately, we are in this situation and it's a generational uh, uh, brainwashing and it's a generational conditioning. Um, even the shiuch, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them 100%, even though I would hold them accountable for their knowledge and for the position that they're in. They're also coming from those, uh, uh, you know, uh, cultural conditioning of generations and generations. But you know, I, I do believe that there is a very unfair um, explanation, the biases, and there is a lack of validation of uh, what is natural right. for a woman to go through. When right. something like this is And, you know, I mean, we make the dua here on the podcast, like, Ya yeah. Allah, protect us from oppression and protect us from becoming oppressors. And how cool would it be if every Muslim made that dua? Yes. Because then we would be, <laughs> it, would, it would not be, um, I guess it would be, it would be supporting the rights of our brothers and sisters too. You know, so if you did that, there would be no question yes. of whose rights are being oppressed or not, or whose rights are more important or not. They're all important. But the most important thing is not to take away somebody's right and the right to feel what you're feeling is right. That was created by Allah. So that's not wrong, you know, period. Yes. Your feelings aren't wrong. And, yes. you know, yes. if we could just exactly. get some kind of validation and more male allies, I think that that would advance our cause. And you're right. The shaykh have a huge responsibility and we hope they step up to it. In addition to all the things, the good they work do. that they do, this is a very critical aspect because half of the world's population or the human population, they would be able to support by literally, they would have to send out one tweet, right? At this point, And they could make a huge like million billion person like effect if they did that. So inshallah, uh, they'll yield their power. Yes. And, and I do support these podcasts I do support these podcasts. I appreciate raising your voice on this because, look, sometimes you have to really fight, you know, for your rights, and and that's that's mm -hmm. not disallowed in Islam. So look how huge impact hashtag Me Too had on the whole yeah. world, including the Muslim Ummah, where you know a lot of these uh, spiritual abuse issues came out after that incident because. Um, simply when you, there's no accountability, then mm -hmm. a lot of wrongs start taking place. So if we start, you know, just staying quiet in the name of like being patient, that's not patience. As uh, Sheikh uh, uh, Tamara said once, you know, the patience is not just tolerating it. The patience is raising your voice and going through the difficulties that would come through and yeah. tolerating that. That's patience. So... So, yeah, I mean, we have over and over and over again seen the the damage of the polygamy that's being practiced in our times and the way it's being practiced has created. Uh, I was just recently reading somebody that, you know, I, I admire how he's raising his kids and everything, but he basically commented that he has seen a lot of successful uh, polygamous marriages and, you know, and my my objection to that whenever a man says this that i have seen a lot of successful polygamous marriages is that men usually don't go around complaining about you know how they cannot like keep a control over their emotions or family issues or whatever they would not say it um you really have to ask mm -hmm. the wives and the children whether they would call 
this uh, plural marriage yeah. a successful marriage or not. Yeah. That's where and that's why we're so glad that we only invited all the moms in the polygynous yeah. relationships onto the podcast this month because it was like, well, if you're saying it, then it might be right. But if it's him, I don't trust him so much because I've really heard him my entire life. But I would really like to hear from the women and the children. You're absolutely right. And so that's why we are really blessed and really, really um, humbled by the fact that this podcast is here and people feel safe enough to come on and share their truths in their lives and that you did too. And you're the first platform that I have ever spoken to on this subject. Yeah. So so. I know it it might uh, gain some traction and it might gain some more trolls. And we so, so look forward to it. We're excited about all of you. Please come one and all. um, And we will uh, keep you safe and protected. Thank you so much for having me over. Of course. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.